0: Going on, love tribe. Welcome to I Do
1: Podcast. Thanks for joining us today.
0: You are the love tribe. We've uh, unofficially, or is it official?
1: Well, it, I mean, it's kind of official.
0: It's official. I, <laughs> I don't think we've ever talked about it, have we?
1: Yeah, we have.
0: Oh, okay, oh, a while we've ago. Designated I Do Podcast <laughs> listeners as the love tribe. Yes, group of individuals trying to find love
1: or improve love, more love,
0: more love, create more love in their lives, and we had a great interview on today's show that will definitely help you do that. We talked to Diane Barth all about how to navigate a interfaith, or it doesn't even have to be interfaith, but certainly there'll be bigger problems there, but a relationship around the holidays. Um, and particularly interfaith couples have uh, a, a bit more hurdles, but maybe not necessarily, because we actually talked about how like, if you are interfaith, and let's say Jewish and Christian, for example, there's not going to be a huge debate on which side of the family you're at for Hanukkah or Christmas, right? It's just like, we'll go here or there. But there are certainly a lot of problems and it doesn't even have to be uh the holidays but just family dynamics can be tough with parents and and relatives and then if you have a child who gets the see the lovely granddaughter that, that we have is is uh, always something not an issue but definitely uh in, in a negative way but definitely something that we have to to be aware of and communicate about
1: yeah, I think we definitely have to manage our time a little bit better with the holidays now with Stella, just because everybody is "quote unquote" fighting for her. You know, everybody wants to spend the holidays with her, and so it's it's even harder than it was before when it was just us two, um, because now there's a whole other dynamic added in it. So it's very important to. Really talk with your spouse first, set those boundaries and those expectations uh, with your partner first around the holidays and family, and then, um, like Diane said, go from there and then have that conversation with your families.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's not easy to communicate with your spouse all the time, and then certainly not easy to tell your parents who may have raised you a certain way, and you're like, hey, uh, I don't want to do that anymore. (laughs) I don't want to go to church, temple, uh, whatever it is, I'm sure. Or or maybe you do, and and it's not an issue. But I, from personal experience, Sarah and I have both had uh, to have those conversations. And Diane gives some very specific communication tools that can allow you to communicate in a way that you are showing respect and acknowledging your, your parents' feelings, but, or it could be your partner's feelings, uh, as well, but then also, like Sarah mentioned, putting those boundaries out there. So, uh, with, Forty-nine percent of couples today are in interfaith relationships as Diane notes. So unmarried yeah, couples unmarried. living together. And then thirty-nine percent for married. So it's still a significant portion. So there's a lot of things that that we just gotta learn to, to communicate about. And Diane gives us some very specific tools on how to have those conversations and move forward.
1: And probably one of my most important um advice tips that Diane gave was, um, toward the end of the interview where she talks about it being a evolving process, you know, that it will shift, like not everything will always stay the same in terms of the conversation as it is in the very beginning. And I think I can speak for chase and myself that it's not easy in the beginning, having these hard conversations and it can put some stress on relationships with your parents it gets better. I mean, I think it can. it can get better, at least for Chase and I, it has over 10 years. Really, it's been about 10 years since we've started this dialogue with our parents, that it's gotten better. And I think a big part of it comes to us really acknowledging that it is important to our parents, but that really sticking to our guns and saying that this is the the person that we are now, and this is how we are going to do things, you still appreciate and love what they've done for you growing up in our situation, but that it's, it's changing. And I think that really played a big role into at least our parents and how they've become a little bit more accepting of our choices.
0: Absolutely. And talking, having those conversations with the parents, and then even between uh, you and your spouse or you and your partner, it's important... Even Sarah and I being together for for ten years now, that we continue to communicate in a way of of uh, respect and and really just keeping those communication lines open, and me not assuming. Well, uh, I want to go see my mom over the holidays, and 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 instead making sure that Sarah's needs are met, and at the same time, Diane uh, has a great quote. I I'll let her give it in the show, but. She talks about compromise and how not every side, the definition of compromise is, you know, that not every side is getting a hundred percent of what right. they want. Right. And how that's such a valuable thing to remember in a relationship that we do have to sometimes meet halfway or not even halfway. Maybe you are, you are seeding a lot of what you want and you're only getting, if you're going to put a number on it, 20% of what you want, but then just keeping that dialogue open with your partner and and it's valuable for everything but especially um, you know the the topics that are a little bit more close to us a little bit more emotion tied to them uh, as far as family the holidays if you are a religious person obviously that might be a big part of your life and how to Communicate that with your spouse uh, are all really valuable things. And Diane gives lots of very specific, great tips. And it is the holiday season. That's why we are putting this out now. There's a lot of added stress, certainly. So don't let this be another thing uh, that puts stress on your relationship. Listen to today's show to get lots of great tips.
1: Yeah, we hope you guys enjoy today's show and have a wonderful day. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company that lets you choose from over 1,500 licensed therapists. Get matched with your perfect therapist today by visiting Talkspace.com forward slash I do. That's Talkspace.com forward slash I do. Hi, Diane thanks so much for joining us on the show today.
2: Hi Sarah thank you.
0: Diane we've given our listeners a little overview told them about your work so why don't you take a minute tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships.
2: Okay um, well I've been a psychotherapist for more than 30 years <clears throat> and I'm just, I'm passionate about helping people actualize their best selves and I've learned that our best and our worst qualities are often brought out in our relationships. Um, so when we feel good about ourselves in a relationship, we're more effective at work and better able to do get things done at home and and just more of the person we want to be, and when we feel criticized by our partner, and interestingly, even when we are critical of them and sure that everything that's wrong in the relationship is their fault. We also um, end up feeling less confident and less capable in everything else that we do. So I, I think that we bring ourselves, our best selves, into the early stages of a relationship. And then as we get comfortable and start to feel safe with each other, we start to allow some of the less positive aspects of who we are begin to emerge, which is actually really important. It's really crucial for every relationship because... Uh, We need our partners to know us and love us with all of our strengths and our weaknesses and our flaws. But um, the loss of that mutual glow (laughs) of uh, positive reinforcement surprises and confuses and hurts a lot of couples who think they're supposed to stay sort of blindly in love forever. And I really love helping couples begin to understand um, how relationships evolve and, and that they evolve over the years. And, um, and how to grow through those life stages together. And so sometimes the work is connected to specific events and specific uh, difficulties like the one <laughs> we're talking about today, like the question of coping with religious differences um, during the holidays. And, and I just think it's really important to help um, couples start to deal with the conflicts that come up sometimes as soon as their first holiday season together um as they try to figure out how to be in seventeen different places with the parents and step parents and grandparents with different traditions and uh and then trying to figure out their own traditions and how they're going to have a have a relationship together uh that in that integrates their both of their um childhood experiences and their you know, sometimes we want to create the magical experiences we had when we were young or we want to create something that we never had. But integrating all of the conflicts and differences between um each other and in their in each other's lives. Um it's 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 an honor for me to be present as a couple starts to find ways to resolve these conflicts and, and work together as partners instead of as two separate individuals blaming and criticizing and being hurt and angry at each other. Yeah it, and I yeah go
0: ahead. Oh it it's a beautiful thing and it is funny how relationships like you said bring out the best and also the worst in us and we obviously mm-hmm. want to go towards that best side but it is only human to to let our emotions get the better of ourselves sometimes, and, and the worst can come out. And especially, as you already mentioned, with the holiday season coming up, there's a fair amount of added stress likely in most people's lives, whether that involves getting together with your family or just the travel. I know Sarah and I, traveling with just your your spouse or your partner is okay there might still be some logistics but if you have kids like we have one two-year-old it can become a whole another production and definitely we've let it get the better of ourselves that uh that i know i get stressed and um things don't go well i might take that out on sarah um and, and it's just not good so managing all that and is super important anytime but certainly around the holidays we got a uh, Thanksgiving coming up and then the New Year's Christmas Hanukkah Kwanzaa season right there behind it so right so yeah why don't we dive right in and talk about some specifics um, maybe we can start with what is the biggest obstacle a couple uh might likely face when trying to deal with uh the holidays as as a couple in to keep that relationship strong
2: well I think there's not uh, <laughs> i don't think there's a single uh biggest obstacle. I think there are a few big obstacles, and one of course is family and um You know, if you're an interfaith couple and you've got uh, parents on both sides who want you to um, practice the tradition that you've always practiced or that they practice and that they believe is really um, the right tradition, it it creates conflict. It's really interesting. One of the um, statistics that that I read is that 49% of young unmarried couples living together these days are interfaith couples, which is a huge jump. From what it used to be, and and even among married couples, it's something like 39% are uh, married to people outside of their own faith. And we think, when we, especially younger people who are so much more um, uh, accepting and respectful of differences than a lot of us older guys, um, it's it, we think that we're going to be able to overcome this obstacle of our parents' differences and our parents' belief systems. But uh, it gets really complicated and it especially gets complicated if you both care about your families and you want them to um, love you and love your partner. So it's, it's one of the hardest things I think is trying to figure out how to, as you said, travel is hard. And especially once you have kids, travel is hard. Um, but how to manage your own expectations and your family's expectations. is a huge obstacle.
1: So what's the best way to start that conversation? Maybe it's the conversation with your in-laws or your parents to kind of set those expectations and those boundaries when it comes to spending time or splitting up your time in the holidays.
2: Right. I think the first thing is to have the conversation with each other and, and to really do it as, as, you know, adults and understanding that your parents and in-laws are all human beings. They're not ogres out to try to make you miserable but, but between the two of you to figure out what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do and how you understand what the um, people in your family are sort of asking you for um, so you know there are a lot of different ways to do it I mean some couples do Thanksgiving with one family, and Christmas with another family, and Hanukkah with another family, and you know, or some couples do every other year with each family. Some couples try to integrate their families, have both families come together, which is difficult even when you're ju- it's when your parents are still with their prim- you know their original spouse. But it gets more complicated when there are step siblings in- involved. Um, but I think the first place is to start with each other, talk about what you're willing to do, where you can be flexible and where you're not willing to be flexible. And then to talk with your parents as, as adult to adult, um, with some understanding of this is what, you know, that this is what they would like. It's not going to work that way. So what would be the best way to make it, um, you know, manageable and, 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 and pleasurable for everybody?
1: Yeah. I would think having your parents or your in-laws involved in the conversation will make it a little bit easier because they feel like they are being a part of the discussion and not just left out to whatever decision that you guys, that someone makes as a family.
2: Exactly. Exactly. That's really important.
0: Yeah. It seems like the primary theme with a lot of things that we talk about on the show is communication and where things break down is you might assume like, hey, uh, we're going. You might say, hey, we're going over uh, my family's house for Thanksgiving. Um, let's make our plans. And the other partner's like, well, wait, like, what about my family? You know, or they might not even stand up for themselves, and they just feel they feel hurt, or whatever. But so, like, really, just opening up that conversation, I would imagine. At any stage in the relationship, but especially early on when you're doing that first Thanksgiving, when you're a serious couple, you've been together for a while. Um, and, and just keeping those lines of communication open. I don't know that, and uh, we're kind of talking about two things here. I don't know that, like you mentioned, that conversation needs to be between the couple first. It could get pretty messy if you're like, Getting your mom on both <laughs> sides involved and like, what do you think? And like having,
2: yeah, you could yeah.
0: communicate with them, but probably separately is is going to be the best solution.
2: Oh, totally! I I agree with you a hundred percent on every on all of the points you made. I think first of all, it's much more complicated than most young couples realize. To have that conversation just with each other, because exactly what you said, Chase. I think that, that you know, couples, everybody's got an assumption that it's going to be the way, um, the way we think it should be. So um, one person says, you know, well, we're gonna, my mother's expecting us at three o'clock, and the other person says, oh, well, mine's expecting us at five. for each one for a big Thanksgiving dinner or whatever the holiday is, for, which almost all of our holidays center around food. So, um, you know, it's it's important to have that conversation with each other and with the understanding that you both of you don't want to hurt your parents' feelings. Um, both of you want to have a tradition that works for you as a couple, but you also want to integrate your parents and, and step-parents and whoever else into this tradition. Um, how can you do it? And then, yeah, then you open it up to your parents and i I agree with you. you don't say, "Well, what do you think about um you know should should I go over to my wife's or my girlfriend's family, or you know you what you say is, this is what we're thinking about um and but we really want it to work for you all as well as for the other family what what how could we do it in a way that would work for it, for you?" And and then with the understanding that you're not necessarily going to do what they're asking, you're asking them what they're what would work best for them. If you get two really rigid sets of parents who say, "Well, you have to come to us," but that's all there is to it. Then then you're gonna you go back to each other as a couple, and then you figure out how you're going to deal with that. And, and and as you said, Sarah, a big piece of this is setting boundaries. But you start with the assumption that everybody's going to be on board to try to
0: work something out. Yeah, I'm laughing because in years past, Sarah and I, I think we were thinking the same thing as she looked at me, but... Thanksgiving, we've been known to have two to three <laughs> Thanksgiving dinners.
2: In one day. <laughs> In one yes. day. Yes. And
0: I can tell you.
2: <laughs> it is not uncommon. I, don't, yeah. It's really sad. And, and I think part of that... So you tell me, did you all talk with your parents about doing that, or did you just decide that that was how you were going to have to solve it?
1: No, I think we talked about it with... Um, with what, what was it? Like three different sets of families mm-hmm. one year, and we just worked out a time that kind of worked for everyone. And I think it was because we're, we were the common denominator amongst the three different groups. So, um, yeah. and since we travel a lot, we happen to be in town and, you know, everyone wanted to kind of work around our schedule, which was really nice, but yeah, we, we had that talk with each other and with everyone else and just kind of did a, like a three hour gap in between each meal was I think how it worked. So we wow. were, we were pretty wow. full That's, by the end of the night. <laughs> I'm de- <laughs>
2: That's impressive. Yeah. But but what you're saying is you understood the need and you understood and you talked, you know, with each other and figured out that this would work for you and that it would work for the, you know, it sounds like everybody was willing to be a little flexible, at least in terms of scheduling. Um, You know, But that's a lot.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The key is to to open that up and keep the communication going in. Now that we have a, uh, a two-year-old, it's a, another, I don't want to say compounding problem, but it makes it almost even more important because all the family wants to see the t- the, their, our, uh, daughter. Baby. Yeah. Grandbaby or, or whatever. And, and, uh, she definitely wants the attention, not wants the attention, but she, <laughs> other relatives Enjoyed want it. her attention. So. And it's a balance and you gotta, I think it's important to put the relationship first, like between you and your spouse and, and that takes priority. And then you're balancing the relationship between your parents and, and relatives. You don't want them to feel excluded. And, and like I said, we, we have. Obviously, Sarah and I have our different families, but then my family, uh, I have divorced parents. So then there's there's like two extra families in there. So you're talking three families that around the holidays, right. uh, there's a lot of coordination that goes on. And, and even if it's two families, it's still uh, critical for everyone, everyone's yeah. sanity and, and to keep your relationship strong. Yes.
2: Yeah. But I have also found that if you can... If you if you go into this with a sense of this is what will work for us, you know that you're really working together, and then you also it sounds like you all are really really empathic to your different parents' needs, and that makes a huge difference. Parents are not always. I mean, there are times where you just have to set a limit and that's uh, and 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 deal with the fallout. But but a lot of times parents are much more willing to be flexible. When you do um, let them know that you're trying to respond to what they're requesting, and when you engage them in the process of trying to figure out what will um, w- what would be manageable for them.
1: So when you know Chase is bringing up the the conversation of Stella and dealing with grandchildren and, and children, I know having these conversations is also important when you have a blended family. Um, and sharing time with your, you know, the kids going to your ex spouse or, you know, just managing those conversations. So it is a little bit different because you're not having that direct conversation with your partner. But how do you navigate those tough conversations? Because that's, I feel like taking it to a whole other. Um, a whole different type of conversation because you're now trying to communicate with somebody who maybe is your ex and now your your new partner as well. So how do you manage those conversations and who would you talk to first? And do you have any advice in, in that type of situation?
2: Yeah, I mean you're you're right. That that is a, a a super common problem and it's very complicated. And of course it becomes more complicated when the divorce or the separation is uh, not a um, a kind one and where you're really angry at each other and, and really not uh, able to negotiate. Um, but I, again, if if you're in a new relationship, I think you start with the new relationship and you both sort of try to figure out what works for you. You also have to try to figure out what works for your kids. And, and if they're old enough, you help them help you figure out what will work for them. And we'll, because, you know, sometimes these um, uh, family issues can really ruin the holidays for your kids. Um, and and then you try to negotiate with the kids' parents. It's really hard, but I think what you said, Chase, is, is key to all of this, which is to keep the lines of communication open with everybody and to try to figure out, you know, figure out what works for you, figure out what feels most um, caring for your kid, which usually means not bad-mouthing the ex-spouse, if you can possibly help it, Um, and and try to find ways to, to make it into a celebration, even if it's not exactly the one that you would like it to be, so I mean sometimes the interfaith issue actually gets makes things easier because i um I know a lot of couples who are interfaith couples who've gotten divorced, and so the one who celebrates a particular holiday, the kids go to that parent for the holiday. It gets complicated because a lot of people in the United States, for example, celebrate Christmas even though it's not their religious holiday so sometimes you then still have to figure out you know the kids want to be with both parents but both parents want the kids for the for you know Christmas morning, let's say um or for lighting the candles for hanukkah whatever the holiday is you have to find ways to both talk to each other and talk to your current spouse or partner and also keep the kids' needs in, in at the forefront.
0: Yeah. And I think another key word besides communication is flexibility, because if you can be flexible and not super rigid, and especially when you're doing blended families and, and but even if you're not, even if you're just dealing with your own and your spouse's family, if you can say like, and we've done this, I'm speaking from experience, like, all right, let's do, because I was raised in a, in a, Jewish household and Sarah in uh, Catholic, and that's how they were raised. Just traditionally, um, it so it, it did work out. But we did also celebrate Christmas, like to get presents, whatever. We were double dipping, lots of presents all around. But <laughs> right. my, my, my point is that uh, if we were going to do, let's say. Christmas presents with, with Sarah's family. We might do that on the 24th and then go over to my mom or my grandparents on Christmas Day or vice versa or whatever it is. And just if obviously right. you can control your relatives, uh, necessarily, but if, if maybe you can produce that solution and say, Hey, why don't we do this? And just being flexible in the same can go really for any holiday. We got, um, you know Thanksgiving, we've done <laughs> multiple meals in one day, which I like to avoid. But maybe even the day before uh, celebrating, then. Uh, so yeah.
1: And I also found it yeah. helpful for our families when we alternated. I feel like Christmas was probably one of the bigger holidays for our families, and so we usually tried to alternate who was we, you know, where we were each year. So one Christmas we were with. Chase's mom and then the next christmas we were with my mom and i think it was it, everyone i felt like seemed it was fair that way just alternating it that way versus individual times throughout the day because that can get
2: really hectic
0: when they lived in different cities yeah. Yeah. so
2: I, and i think that's. i think it's really important what you're talking about is is really really important which is that it has to be what works for you and your kids too but one of the things that, that happens is the parent who doesn't get you that particular year may actually feel really sad because they aren't celebrating the holiday, especially if it's a meaningful holiday, um, the way they're used to it, the way they like it. When In my family years ago, when my my uh, mother's favorite holiday was Thanksgiving, and we would go to her regularly for Thanksgiving, but the Thanksgiving got to be um, too much for her. and <clears throat> so my brothers and I just made a unilateral decision that our families were all going to get together another time of the year. And that was going to be our Thanksgiving. We just weren't going to come all come back together at Thanksgiving. And the first year she was really not happy about it. And then as we did this other celebration often in June um, and was wonderful She got to a point where she was just, that was fine for her. Thanksgiving, she did a little you know, celebration with some neighbors and some local family, and it was not a big deal. But I think what was really important was that we all recognized that the decision we had made did make her sad, and that we were sorry that it made her sad. It just wasn't working for the rest of us anymore.
1: Well, I think it's awesome that you did that, because it really shows that, you that you're acknowledging that that holiday means a lot to her and that you're willing to do it at another time to still celebrate the meaning of that holiday for her i think that's a really cool um, right a cool way to to divide
2: it yeah it worked out very nicely so yes exactly so what i'm saying is that that the more um empathy you can bring into the process without having to give up your needs all the time, uh, the better the process seems to go.
0: So what can a couple do that is trying to communicate about the holidays? And it doesn't even have to be for the first time because Sarah and I have been together nearly 10 years now, and it's still something we have to work on communicating. And I know, Sometimes when it breaks down, as if I project a sense that that I don't really, I'm not acknowledging her feelings, maybe, or like her right to spend time with her family. Because I'm, I'm like, well, what about my family? Like, I want to see them. Like, that's just the way it is. Like, I love Sarah's family, but they're they're my secondary family, and like, I want to see right. my mom first. So, how can How can we talk about that in a way that's respectful and and just really, I guess, the details of communicating uh, specifically around uh, that kind of planning?
2: So I think you you actually nailed several of the specifics. One is respect, um, that you say, you talk about this in the time where you're um where you're both calm and where you're feeling loving towards each other and you're and you're able to be respectful of each other's needs and differences. Um and another is to know that as a couple, nobody gets all of their needs met all the time. Uh, Amos Oz, who wrote about um wrote a lot about sort of the Israel Palestine conflict, used to say there's no such thing as compromise if compromise means that, that you come to a solution that works for everybody. What you have to come to is mm-hmm. a solution that has some of the, the, um, the ingredients that work for one person and some of the ingredients that work for the other person because there's no, there's no real blending of, of your needs in, um, in a way that makes everybody happy all the time. So I think respect, I think um, spelling out what your expectations are and what your needs are and what your wishes are, which are all different, Um, and then trying to find ways that that are going to give each of you some of the most important things that you are asking for. The other thing is that, you know, children do change the the picture, which you all probably are very well aware of already. Um, But so then you also have to think about about what your children need, and you also have to separate out what you want for your children um, from what they actually need. So a lot of us get caught up in the fantasy that we're going um, <clears> to <throat> we're going to give our children memories. Meaning, usually we're going to have our children have the same experiences that we had that we love. Well, they're going to get memories no matter what, and their experiences are not going to be the same as yours. And so again, the 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 a, a really um, kind and thoughtful conversation where you try to put together, even the differences in, in what you think your children need um, is, is the best path to being able to find a solution. And you have to know that the solution is not going to be perfect.
1: So how would you go about having the conversation with one of your parents about I guess, setting boundaries of whether or not you're going to be celebrating the holidays the way that they would want, like, for example, religiously. So if a family is um, is Catholic or Jewish, and maybe you're choosing not to raise your child in that religion, but maybe your parents are pushy on it around the holidays, how do you confront your parents and basically say, hey, this is what we're doing. You have to respect it. How do you go about saying that conversation respectfully?
2: Well, I think it's a conversation that has a start way before the holidays, and it's, a, it's an ongoing conversation. And the thing to remember is that your parents, <laughs> um, as the mother of an adult son, I struggle with this all the time. Your parents um, had a lot of say in your life for many, many years, and it's hard for us to remember that we don't get that say anymore. It's like, oh, right, uh, it's not my choice anymore. Um, so if you can start with having the conversation at various and sundry times, um, something as simple as, you know, I know that this is really important to you, but you should just know that Jason and I are not bringing our children up as, as Catholics. And so that means we're not going to have the same uh, holidays that you all have, or we're not going to celebrate them the same way. And we're, we're hoping to establish rituals that work for us, but that also work for you. Um, if at all possible. And then when you, you know, so you have this over and over again, and, but when they say, uh, but you are having Christmas, right? Or you are coming to us on Christmas, or you are going to church on Christmas. You say, no, actually, I know that's important to you, but it's not important to us. And, and we have decided to do it such and such a way. And I'm, I know that's a problem for you and I'm sorry, but that's not how we're doing it. So that you can get firmer and firmer and firmer um, and you can do it respectfully. I mean, or or, or, you know, as long as you can say, I know that's a problem for you. I know it's hard for you, but that's not what we're doing. Um, Most parents will feel heard and will be willing to meet you somewhere in the middle. Some parents know, and when your parents are really rigid, then you have to be firmer and it doesn't always feel respectful because you're... You are setting really firm
0: limits with them that, you know, they're not accepting. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard conversation. And Sarah and I have experienced that on both sides, uh, as I mentioned, her being raised Catholic and me Jewish, and we've decided to kind of really do neither. So we've had uh, those conversations with our parents and, and.
2: You get I, it from both
0: sides. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're both getting it. Um, and it is an important thing. It, to be able to communicate about. And I love that it's a simple sentence, but saying like, I know it's important to you, but so you're acknowledging their feelings rather than being like, no, we're not doing that. Um, and just turning it down. Um, you're acknowledging it, but, uh, but then standing firm, um, it's an, it's an important thing to be able to do. And, and, but from personal experience, it doesn't mean that they're going to be like, Oh, okay. Um, Exactly. Great, Great to exactly. Hear. Um, but, but if you can at least start off, uh, in a, in a way that's not antagonistic or, or that they're not like really putting up their defenses of, or really getting upset. But I would just say, uh, then, and then you got to stick to your guns because like we talked about earlier, it's, it's the, the relationship takes priority or as you, become an adult like but it's funny like even you could be 40 years old but your parents are still your parents right but like but still like you're your own person and and just I'm sure as a parent we'll experience this as Stella grows up but like you gotta respect that that they're their own person you know and it might hurt but but uh, really re- communicating in a way that acknowledges their feelings, I think, can help ease that, ease that pain a little bit. Not take it away, but definitely uh, make it go more smoothly.
2: Yeah, there's another thing you can do, which doesn't always work. So two, there's two things. One is to remember that it's an, it's an evolving process, that how your parents feel will change, as will some of how you feel. As Stella gets older, some of the things that you think right now are going to shift, um, but but so will some of your, all of the, your parents' um, positions will shift. And so it's really useful not to get into a total power struggle. I mean, you, you have to set limits and that may turn into a power struggle, but if you can say something that acknowledges also that, you know, we're not practicing um the the traditions of the religion that you are practicing, but you instilled all these values in me, and those values are there, even if i 'm not going to a temple or going to church or uh um, what you know not doing the things that you think of as part of that that what you've done you've planted a little seed that there're that you're not rejecting them. And you're not rejecting the values they've taught you. Again, some parents can't handle that. They can't, if you're not doing the actual rituals, it's not okay with them. But a lot of parents eventually can come around to sort of feeling better about, okay, it's not like you're rejecting me. You're rejecting certain traditions, but you have taken in the values that I've tried to teach you.
0: Yeah, that's, that's another great piece of advice. And it, it's pretty, uh, interesting to hear that statistic that 49% of married couples are in a interfaith relationship. So it is, uh. Exactly.
2: 49%. It's 49% of unmarried couples. Unmarried. It's, it's small. Yeah. Smaller. Uh, smaller 39% unmarried. of married couples.
0: Still, still, it's still significant. a big number. Yeah. Yeah, and and are there any other things when it comes to uh, particularly, I guess, interfaith relationships, whether they be married or or dating around the holidays or just in the relationship in general that can present problems?
2: Well, I think there are a lot of things that can present problems. The, The thing that is really important is to remember always that you got together with this person, at least in part because of the differences between you. And so those differences, you know, in belief system, in traditions, in um, how you think about the world in some ways, I, I think it's only really, really useful to think about the, that there's something about those differences that appeal to you. And to try to, um, you know, we're all really good at finding the things that we don't agree with and the things that we don't like and the things that bother us. But, to try to find the things that brought you together, so I'm also from an interfaith a long term interfaith marriage and um I'm Jewish, and my husband's christian, and his some of the, he always said that everything about Judaism fit with his value system that's not always true, but that's what he said um but but there were some things that he believed in that I really couldn't understand. So what I would work on was trying to figure out how they how they um, colored his his values um, and how those things made him the person that I did love and I did care about. And that was really useful to to think about um, what it was that he was bringing to the table that probably had to do with his religious beliefs that um, that I didn't that that I didn't have in the exact same way or that I would like to incorporate into my life. I will also tell you that after being together for a long time, um, we have found that our belief systems are practically merged. <laughs> so we what we believe both in terms of religion and in terms of uh, the whole, our whole value systems have become very, very similar. So that's another part of the evolution, I think.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And I've said it on the podcast a few times before, but it'd be quite boring if you dated someone that you agreed with everything, you had the same likes and interests. It'd be like being with yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, that's exactly. why we are attracted a lot of times to the people we're with is because they are different. Despite what we we might want, we might want that. Why can't you just agree with me, or <laughs> why don't you want to do this? It's like, well, they're a different person, and that's what makes it interesting, you know. Otherwise,
2: exactly,
0: you're you're with yourself, and that's no fun. And and it is also interesting how you said your beliefs have merged. Um, I yes. I I don't have a large sample size but I've heard that before and I know just from Sarah and I's and not not even around uh religion necessarily I mean certainly a little bit but just a lot of other things we had base values uh I think is important we talk about having those but even just a lot of other things I've noticed that we've merged um uh, over the years in becoming more and more similar in those. It, do you find that that's a common thing uh, with long-term relationships?
2: Yeah, and I actually want to change the word because I think merge is a, is, um, isn't quite correct because you still are different. You're still two different people. Right. Um, and in fact, that's one of the problems that people who have been together for a long time have. In, in reverse, is they expect each other to be so similar that they forget that they're two different people. Um, but I think that it's that your, um, your values become more coalesced, maybe, um, your ideas, your, your experiences, you, 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 um, you share so much that, um, a lot of the old differences sort of get ironed out, but it is. Totally not that you are you don't. I mean, I know I said it, so I I'm, I'm take full responsibility for the word. But it, I don't think it's that you merge as much as you become really. Um, when it, when your relationship is working over time, you become more integrated as a partnership.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's well put, and it's. Uh, I don't want to harp on this too much. We're going to go forward to the lasting love round, but it almost seems like. It's the effect of like walk a mile in someone else's shoes and, and that you're going to yeah. be able to relate more to them. Well, live with someone for 20 years and mm-hmm. you're going to hopefully have more empathy. And you guys are experiencing a lot of the same things, obviously. So your life is being shaped by the same environment, the same experiences, that it makes sense that those those things coalesce as you said and something that is great in relationships and and just i think better for the world as a whole that if we can approach all of our relationships with our neighbors and and people that we don't know with more of that open mind of of trying to maybe not directly experiencing what that other person is but understanding um your relationship will be better uh, personally, and, and with those uh, around you.
2: Yeah, I think that's well said.
0: Excellent, Diane. Well, this all been great information here. Lots of good stuff for the holidays coming up. Hopefully, it'll help our listeners have those difficult conversations with each other, but certainly with the parents. I know that that can be uh, tough. We, we both know from personal experience. So, thank you for that. And now we got to move forward to the lasting love round.
1: But first, let's take a break and talk about one of today's sponsors, Talkspace.
0: Talkspace is an online therapy company that will allow you to choose from thousands of certified and vetted therapists where you can communicate with them directly through your phone, through text, email, video chat, Or voice, and it's super easy to do. And obviously, you're listening to this podcast, so you want relationship advice, whether you're in a rut or you just want to take your relationship to the next level, talking with a therapist is the best way to get there. Besides listening to I Do podcasts,
1: (laughs) So if you want to sign up today, head on over to Talkspace.com forward slash I Do and get $30 off your first month. That's Talkspace.com forward slash I Do and enter the promo code I Do.
0: Talkspace, therapy for how we live today.
1: If you're looking for a super fun and creative gift for a loved one this holiday season, you really need to check out StoryWorth. StoryWorth makes it easy and fun for your loved ones to share their stories with weekly emailed story prompts with questions that you would never think to ask. And at the end of the year, they'll get their stories bound in a beautiful hardcover book that will be a great tool to share with your family and and get to know each other in a whole new way.
0: So we got StoryWorth for my mom and we already got this great story from her where I thought I knew the story and apparently I didn't because she went skiing with me when she was seven months pregnant. So I'm about to pop and was skiing down a glacier in Germany with me and I, I had the short end of the story and now I got the whole thing and it's great because I can share it with my brother and sister. We're all scattered across the country and this is really a thing we can share.
1: So if you have a family member who loves telling stories, StoryWorth will be an awesome holiday gift. For $20 off, visit StoryWorth.com forward slash I do. That's StoryWorth.com forward slash I do. What is one tool or practice our listeners can use on a daily basis to help improve their relationship?
2: Um, I would say find something positive to say about your partner every single day. We're, we're all really good at pointing out what bothers us, and we're not so good at pointing out what we like or admire or appreciate about our significant other, um, Partly because we take these things for granted. But I, I don't care how long a couple has been together or how close they are. It's very important to share good thoughts about one another. Um, sharing those thoughts is a super way to keep a relationship healthy. But there are a couple of rules. I just want to quickly say one is it doesn't have to be earth shattering. It doesn't, it does need to be genuine and it can't contain a barb. Um, So like you can say, I love that shirt and tie or that dress on you. It brings out the color of your eyes, but you cannot add, but you would look so much better if you lost a few pounds. (laughs) That ruins the, the, Thing. And the other thing is, I would say, although you don't have to say something different every day, what you should, what you do say, should be specific. So you might start with something really general, like you're such a good, kind, caring, something like that person. Um, but then give them a really specific example, like this is something that my husband does, so I say it to him regularly. But um, I love how you always check the name tag of the clerk at the at the checkout counter, and then you use their name when you ask them how they're doing. Um, because I know that makes them feel like a human being, which probably doesn't happen too often.
0: That's great advice. So like even something like an action that you saw your partner do, uh, rather than complimenting what they're wearing or stuff like that. I love that.
2: Exactly. Is
0: yeah. there, is there a book or resource you could recommend for listeners who want to improve their relationship?
2: Yes, and actually, it's interesting because you you uh, you said the name of it a little while ago, Chase. I so you were just talking about what we we're talking about, but it's called "Difficult Conversations: How to Discuss What Matters Most." Um, it's by Douglas Stone and Bruce Patton. It's a classic, and it is I, I recommend it to the couples I work with all the time. It's really really useful for finding ways to talk about. All kinds of hard things, and probably I don't didn't remember anything specific from it just now, but um, I can guarantee you we'll have some uh, useful suggestions for talking to your parents about the holidays. Also,
1: that's an excellent resource. Thank you. We'll have that on your show notes page mm-hmm. on IDupodcast.com. We've been married for three years now. Is there any advice you'd give newlyweds? Yes.
2: Um, you also have a young child, so this is for newlyweds and new parents, um, which is it's it's fairly, you hear it fairly often, but it's really important, which is to make sure that you find time to nurture your relationship with each other. Um, a lot of times I see young couples who have the idea that, well, the wedding's over, so they should now be in a long-term relationship. And um, it doesn't work that way. It's Relationships, I mean, we've been talking about this, but relationships evolve over time. And you have to keep working at it. And then when a child comes along and you're putting all your attention on the child, which, you know, you're supposed to be doing, it's really important to remember that you also have to nurture your relationship. Um, and, and if you can... Keep doing that which includes both what I said before which is to talk about positive feelings but also to process the problems that come up um, and and um, to rekindle the romance which you have to do over and over again because it it gets lost in the in the everyday you know mundane experiences of life um, but if you can do that you can think that you're nurturing something that you're going to, like, you know, watering and feeding a plant. You, you, you'll have the makings for a long-term relationship.
0: What advice would you give our single listeners looking for a happy relationship?
2: So my recommendation for single, if you're single is that you nurture the connections that you do have, um, your family connections and also your friendships. Um, that I I have found over the years that getting into a frenzy uh, over finding a life partner can backfire. Um, It's it's more productive to pay attention to the people who are in your life, who care about you, and who you care about. It doesn't mean you shouldn't date, but when you date, it's important to remember to try to get to know the person and not to ask yourself if this is the person you could see yourself married to, um because that's that's something that takes time that's that's something you don't find out right away um i think it's much more useful to find to ask yourself if you like being with this person right now and if you want to learn more about them and um it, it, actually i think it's helpful to think about a date as a potential friend it's i mean i know the issue of physical chemistry is important but physical attraction doesn't actually say whether a person is going to be a good life partner. And although this surprises a lot of people when I say it, um, physical chemistry can actually take a little while to develop. And if you're in a relationship with somebody who is um, uh, a good friend, you have a much better chance of, of having a good life partner. Although I'm not suggesting that one of your friends will suddenly turn into a romantic partner. That actually happens far less often in real life than it does in the movies. Um, but in nurturing your friendships with your your friendships with people of your same sex as well as opposite sex, um, and and um, really getting to know the people that you care about and being with them, you're going to develop uh, all of the skills and all of the emotional muscles. That also make a long-term romantic partnership work. Oh,
0: that's great advice, Diane. And after a hundred plus shows, I don't think we've gotten that particular one for single listeners. And it makes a lot of sense uh, to nurture those relationships you have. and And I think even for people that are in a relationship, to to not let your friendships and your family relationships slip too much. Um, another yeah. important thing to to recognize. And you've given us and our listeners so much great advice. I know Sarah and I, coming from uh, two different backgrounds, have have used some of the stuff you mentioned, but we'll definitely be able to use a lot more of the communication styles uh, this upcoming holiday season. So why don't we finish by having you tell our listeners where they can find you, and then most. We'll say goodbye
2: um well you can find me on my website which is dianebart.net um and on psychology today uh on my uh, blog is off the couch um is
1: that what you mean? Yeah. That, that, that's excellent. All of those all of those links will be on uh, your show notes page on our website at idupodcast.com and our listeners know to go there to check them out. And we appreciate it so much for uh, coming on the show and thank you again. Thank you. I wish you all a happy holiday, happy holidays. <laughs> right. Thank you very much. We hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. As always, you can find the links from today's show on our website at idopodcast.com. And while you're on the website, we encourage that you check out some of the free resources that we've created for you guys. One of those is the 14-Day Happy Couple Challenge. And we send you a email every day for 14 days with doable challenges to help strengthen and make your relationship Even better. And we've also created cheat sheets and workbooks for your relationship. And you can find all of those on our website. And lastly, our Facebook group, which is the Love Tribe. We encourage all of you guys to join our group there as well. And if you ever have any topic suggestions or ideas for the podcast, please send them our way. You can email us at info at and we would love to hear from you guys. And we hope you enjoyed today's show.